Okay, we're, we're in this series called Say Lot. Good, you guys are paying attention. Thank you for that. Thank you for paying attention to me. I'm not wasting my time up here. We're in this series called Selah. We're going to go for a few weeks discovering what that's all about. You guys remember what big P word that Selah is all about? Pause, right? Pause. It means to, to stop, to take a breather, to, you know, um, we put together this little uh, 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 thing that you guys didn't all catch right away. You thought it was 11 or 2. It's literally the pause sign, right? We just clear on that. Pause. It's a biblical term. It's kind of woven in with the concept of Sabbath. It's not just pause for the sake of just stop for a minute, but it's pause and think, pause and ponder and consider. Then it actually comes from several different Hebrew root words. Some of them we talked about is, is pause and to examine the value of something. Where's my life at? Am I spending time in my life on the things that are appropriate that God wants me to spend them on? Remember last week's message was what really matters most? Are you stopping to take an evaluation, look at your life and go, you know what, I am wasting a lot of time on stuff that is not doing anything of any real long-lasting value. Maybe I need to pull back, re-examine, spend it on the people I know and I love and those that need to know Jesus and, and refocus. Part of that Selah word comes from a couple Hebrew root words. Let me remember, it's Salah and Salal. But basically what they mean is to exalt or to lift up the Lord. Is that we would learn to take moments throughout our life because it's not a one-time deal. It's that we constantly throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, we need to be putting ourselves in checking. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Pause. Take a breath. Where am I at? What am I focusing on? Is God the priority of my life? Because Jesus said the two most important things in life, loving God and loving other people. Am I living to those means? And today I want to take it a, a step further. It's in relation to this um, Selah, this pondering, this Sabbath time. Part of the reason God commanded the Sabbath is that we would take a rest, and that we would take a real rest. How many of you guys in your life could say, I need to take a real rest? Come on, all of you guys, right? Most of us, we're like, we go, 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 too, too much and too busy. Well, I want to talk today about, about why real rest is important, um, what the source of real rest is, what it actually looks like, and then I'm going to give you guys a list of practical things on how do we partner with God to achieve the rest that he's talking about. Because we know this, as Christians, our salvation was not anything we did to earn it. You guys clear with that, right? We know we didn't go knocking on enough doors. We didn't go do enough nice things. We didn't do anything to earn the gift of salvation. It was a free gift by a loving God that says, you guys don't even deserve it. Carl, I've seen your life and the way you live for me. You don't deserve it. But because I love you, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to do something with my son. And right, this is the original plan of the gospel. God so loved the world, he loved us enough to send his only son to pay the price as if his son was guilty. Jesus took the hit so we don't have to. Jesus took the, the, the cross so that we don't have to face eternal separation. And when we die, when we die, this is temporary, but we get to go straight to be with the Father. So here's the, the whole deal is, Salvation is a free gift from a loving God that we surrender to. But here's what I know. Like in any relationship, when you start a relationship, there's a give and take involved. Like Pastor Tom said this morning, covenant. I have to sow into it. I have to give to my wife in order for her to give the love to me. It's an ongoing togetherness type of deal. So with God, free gift makes us saved. But we got to work into it to say, God, I want all that you have for me. Look, I'm showing you by my actions, I'm surrendered. So here's what we're talking about today talking about what real rest is, and then we're going to talk about practical ways when we can chase after it. One of the things that God gave me as a practical action that I take in my life as of late, because I went through a crazy season, past year, past couple years, I went through just some personal, just all kind of just rah, chaos stuff, right? In the midst of it, God is reteaching me what Selah and Sabbath are all about, and that I need to, to train my life to finding these moments of rest. But I have to force myself in my own routines to get to that place where he can offer me that rest. Here's one of the things I've been doing lately. My wife took a picture of me doing this when we went on vacation to Hawaii or to Lanai Island. If you guys can make that out, that's my two little skinny chicken legs right there. 
with my fins attached to the, to the back of them, right? And what I'm doing there is I'm diving and I'm looking for shells. Now, I've always been like a surfer and my whole deal when I go in the water is I want to be aboard and I want to be going fast and I want to do all of this. And God in the midst of it is saying, in order to find real rest, you got to change your game a little bit. And he's been showing me different things that I can do to take action so that I'm not doing the normal chaotic stuff, but I'm, I'm getting a different take on life. And, and so I go diving and this is the kind of the, the stuff that is the result of what I go diving for. This is a bad day for me, okay? I got to apologize. I was on Lanai Island. I went for a couple days. That's all I found. I was actually a little bit bummed. I was a little upset with myself that I didn't do better. On Oahu, I come and I scoop. But there's a blessing that comes along with this time that I'm, I'm diving. And here's the deal. In order for me to find those, those Selah and Sabbath restful times with God, I got to put myself in the right frame of mind. So there's stuff I've learned to do to get there. And I've discovered that being in God's creation and being in the ocean isn't all about riding waves and being on top of the water, but there's an amazing feeling that you get of rest and peace when you're under the water, completely surrounded in God's creation. Are you guys hearing me? I'm trying not to get all hippie granola on you guys, but there's, there's, there's this feeling that's just like, God, I'm in your presence completely engulfed, surrounded, immersed. This is awesome. And I've found that there's physical things that I do, actions that I take, that actually help get my mind and my soul and my spirit into the place where the spiritual stuff takes place, where God gets me there. Again, I'm not trying to sound mystical. I'm just saying I got to do my part in the relationship with God so that I can achieve all that he has for me. Does that make sense? It's a partnership. It's a relationship. So, so we do that. And there's, I know that there's problems with us as Americans in society. We don't find enough rest. And because of it, we're not healthy. We've got other countries. I was reading this, this article, Huffington Post. It's talking about this, here's what the title says. What America isn't doing that the rest of the world has mastered. And I read that already and I'm like, what, what? Are you putting America down? Like, we don't know. You know, you get a little offended. Like, you want to fight about it. Like, what? America, what are we doing? And I read the article and what it's talking about is that we, as an American society and culture, do not put into our culture this concept of finding rest. We don't make a big deal. We just think, go as hard as you can, as fast as you can, as long as you can, make as much money as you can, and that's the American dream, right? Start with nothing and achieve everything. Just go, 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 go. And the reality is all these other countries like Spain has a tradition of taking a two to three hour lunch break to eat and nap, also known as a? See, si, si, senor. See, you guys know, right? See, in their society, they're going, we need to block out some time because rest and peace is healthy for our bodies, for our mind, our spirit. We need to put this in. It says that most shops and businesses in Spain will close while their owners and employees get some R&R because they're like, this is a value. We got to make time for it. You read about Sweden and Sweden has, Sweden has something known as the Fika or Fika, I don't know how to pronounce it because I'm English and I'm verbally challenged. But Sweden has something where they take regular pauses from work and daily activities, sit down with friends, family, or coworkers at favorite coffee houses, and enjoy a fresh cup, usually accompanied by a sweet treat. Sweden is going, we got this thing figured out. We got to take a coffee break once in a while. And we're going to put it into all of our culture and society. People need time to rest. Greece, it says, people in Greece and during the warmer months, small villages and towns, they turn to the daily tradition of volta, which translated as stroll or outing. They make time to say, hey, it's that time of the day again. Let's just put everything on the side. Let's just go take a leisurely walk around town or down by the coast. Or let's just, let's, let's take a Selah moment and let's just think and ponder and relax. Are you guys hearing me on this thing? We need to relax. And these other countries have it all figured out. They know. They put it in their, their culture. Italy, it says they take... Um, Time to slow down and unplug twice a day, once in the afternoon and once more again in the evening. In Canada, the Canadians during spring and summer months, they have, uh, it's common for Canadians to have these cottages that they all go to that is just known as that's our time to rest. Take our family and let's get away. Let's go to these cottages. France, it says, there's a daily ritual called La Arpert, La Arpert. Peritif, something like that. I'm sorry, don't hate. I'm just trying to read this. And it's, it's a time before dinner when family and friends gather to enjoy small plates and perhaps a glass of wine is the one way the French make time to reconnect with others over good food. In Japan, they got the same thing, a little ritual they do before you eat at uh, your meals, right? What do we do? Itadakimasu, right? It's basically like kind of a little prayer, but really the, the nature behind it is a time to pause and to rest and to realize where you got that food you're eating from 
from the seed that grows in the ground to the farmer that grew it to taking it to market to the whole deal. You're, t- you're, you're resting your mind and you're, you're being thankful. Am I making myself clear today? These other countries have it figured out. America, we're blowing it. We don't know how to rest. And God knows better than any other country or culture or society the fact that human beings are wired to have times of rest in their lives. And when we do without it, we're not as much good to the rest of the world around us or ourselves as God designed us to be. And so I want to look in scripture and I want to talk about today what it is to get real rest. We need real rest not temporary, not artificial, not the kind of things where I sat down and I watched TV for a couple hours. You think you're resting, but you're not. You're vegging out. You're getting distracted. You're not really finding the rest you need. And, and Jesus alone is the one that we're looking at here today that promises real rest. If you take nothing more away from the sermon today, I want you to take this away. Jesus Christ is the only one that offers real rest. Okay? Rest of the sermon, forget about If you can walk away knowing it's only in Jesus that I can get the real rest that I'm supposed to have to live a healthy life, then you're on to something good. And if you seek the source and you go to him, the rest of it, he'll help you to figure out. But that's what I want you to catch this morning. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. I love the way the message version puts it. I love it in all the Bible translations, but the message, for some reason, just captures it for me. Jesus talking to us. And I read it as he's talking to me. I hope you guys read your Bible too. Whenever he's talking to God's people, you're one of them. So take it personal. He says, are you tired, Carl? (laughs) Carl, are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Yes, God, I'm burned out on religion. I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of us trying to reach out and chase after you. I love the fact that you're chasing after me. God, I'm burned out on religion. Anybody get an amen to that one? I'm tired. I'm worn out. I get burned out on religion. So here's what Jesus says, real plain and simple. Do we get the verse up there? Look what he says. Come to me, real simple. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's what we're talking about today. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. See, the focus here is on Jesus. He's not saying, you can try this, you can try it. Come to me, follow me, watch me. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And see, the the word used here when Jesus is talking about real rest is really a, a word that means this. Refresh, recover, relief for your body, heart, mind, and soul. It's talking about your entire being. I'm not talking about temporarily taking five from work and having a cup of coffee and looking at Facebook. That's like a nice little mini Selah distraction. But Jesus is going, real rest. You want real rest for your entire spirit, your whole soul, mind, body, be everything that you are, just to go, ah, refresh, revive, get a relief from, so that I can go back into the game. Just be prepared and be, be rested. Jesus says, that's only in him. I'm telling you guys this here today. I'm so blessed they came to church this morning. I'm so glad that you're here to feed on God's word and to listen and to get inspired. But if you come to church and church alone is your Christianity, you'll never find real rest. And if you say like, well, I I love God and I do this, you know what? In the kingdom of God, talk is cheap. There's so many people in America that claim to be Christians and they go to church and they're going, well, how come I don't have real rest? And Jesus is going, do you really know me? Do we really hang out? Did you really surrender your life to me? Do you really believe that I died on the cross to free you from all that baggage and bondage? Or are you still holding on to it and you play it through your head every single day? Jesus is going, it's only in me. It's only in admitting that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, your king, your Lord, your savior, and your best friend that you're going to find real peace. You guys hear me on that this morning? It's not playing church. It's not like, oh, well, I do the Christian thing, the corporate Christian world. No, 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 no. Unless you absolutely know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've surrendered to him, good luck finding rest on your own. Can I say that in church? That's what we're here for. We're here to really commune with Jesus. And he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, that we give all of our worries and our cares to who? To God, for he cares about us. Not to ourselves, not to anybody else, not to self-help, not to, not to the sitting and watching TV, not to reading cool books about God, whatever. It's the fact that, that only God and God alone can take away the anxiety, the worry, the frustration, the, the, the stuff that we freak out about every single day. Real rest, it's only found in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of false things that we can do out there. 
There's even relationships. Sometimes we go so far and we say, when I'm with that person, I just feel well rested. Well, you know what? None of us are that good that we can be that awesome all of the time. We're going to let each other down once in a while. And, and even in awesome, even godly relationships, there's not always going to pe- be peace and rest. But Jesus is going, but with me, there's always going to be peace for you. There's always going to be rest for you. If you really know me and get into me and seek me, I can give you that rest that the rest of the world doesn't really understand. So just to clarify, the source of real rest that I'm talking about here today is Jesus. We're going to talk about a bunch of ways that we can kind of help ourselves and our actions get into that spot where we're communing with Jesus, but he's the source, him alone, not on what we do. All we do is partner with him. Does that, that make sense? He's the man. He's, he's what it's all about. That's why we're here. And here's what real rest looks like. Real rest to me, as I look in Psalms, looks a whole lot like Psalm 23. You guys ever read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're going to look at that right now really quickly. Because to me, it's a, it's a prime example that real rest found in Jesus affects your whole life. I don't want you guys to think like, oh, real rest is in Jesus is I feel good when I go to church Sunday morning, when I go to mini church Wednesday night, when I maybe have my devotions during the day or whatever. That's when I have real rest. Real rest actually affects your whole entire life, the way you look at everybody, talk to everybody, and the way it should look on your life to other people. Are you guys getting that? If you, if you can discover real rest, it begins to infect all of the way you think and the way you look all the way around. Look at Psalm 23 in the message version that's so encouraging to me. Here's what I get out of this. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Right off the bat, you know what that's saying? is Carl, if you know me as your shepherd, you can be content with who you are and where you're at in life, no matter what it looks like. Oh, but God, I look in the mirror every morning and I just, I see the bad guy that did this and I see all my baggage and my sin and my mistakes. And God, I know that my life isn't perfect right now. I'm struggling and this is going on and this is going on. But when you come back to Psalm 23 and it talks about Jesus, you go, wait, you're my shepherd I don't need anything else. I'm content where I'm at. If you can get to that point in life where you can walk through life, no matter what you have or you don't have, and you can say, God, I'm content, then you're starting to understand what the real rest that Jesus can give. See, it's too easy for us to compare, to look at ourselves and focus on all the flaws. And he's going, I'm the good shepherd. You just be there, you little dumb sheep. I got you, right? I, th- I think of myself as that every, I'm just on a put down. I'm just going, God, the sooner I admit I'm a dumb sheep and I need a good shepherd, the sooner my life is going to be in the right order and I'm going to be at peace. You guys hearing me on that? It's okay to say that. I'm a dumb sheep. I get it, God. I need you. But I realize that you're there. You're strong. You're big. You're awesome. I don't need a thing. I'm okay right where I'm at in my life. I love this psalm. It says, you've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. There's a picture of peace no matter where your life is at. You can have peace in chaos because we got the good shepherd. He can give you rest in the middle of the storm. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and you send me in the right direction. Remember what we talked about last week? What is the right direction in life? I I have all these options of going. I love the North Shore. I love to drive out to the North Shore. I could either drive the stressful freeway to get there and get there fast, or I can take, remember we talked about this? The long way around and pause often. I can take in the beauty of driving along this island, looking at the beaches, stopping at all of the shrimp trucks, stopping at the, the meat pie place at Fiji Market, stopping at, you know, I can stop along the way. See, when God leads me in the right direction, it's that I'm taking the long way and I'm pausing often and I'm enjoying this life and I'm focusing on what really matters to me. I love that he tells me he sends me in the right direction. Verse four says, even when the way goes through death valley, even when you're faced with fear of death or the worst thing that this world could throw at you, it says this, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. When God is walking on my side, I don't need to fear all the rest of what's going on out there in my my world. He's there by my side. He's got a shepherd's crook that you guys know the story of the shepherd's crook, right? It's there to pull the sheep back in, but it's also used as a weapon to beat down the bears, the lions, the attackers. Is basically, you know what this verse tells me is? God's got my back. God's my bodyguard. God's bigger than me. I don't need to be afraid of walking through this life with other people. You guys got friends in your life. I hope you do. Do you have friends that would be willing and loyal to you? They'd be willing to have your back and stand up. Friends that would be willing to throw down for you. Anybody got friends like that? You better find friends like that because you never know, right? You never know what could happen. But I got friends in my life. They'd be willing to do whatever because they love me. And they got my back no matter what. 
I remember once walking in, in, when I was living in Huntington Beach, California, walking down the steps, like on the, the bike path and whatever, going out to the waves, me and a couple guys. And I had one of my friends there recently led him back to the Lord. He's from Hawaii. He's still got all the rough edges around him, but he, he loves me and he loves the Lord. We're walking down and some guy's walking up looking like all thug or whatever and just kind of bumps my shoulder, right? And boom, and ah, whatever, you're big, I'm small, it's cool. You know, I, just, I keep walking. But suddenly my friend just rushed. I don't even know what's happening. I just see whoosh, and the guy just gets pushed. Bah! And I was like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? And he goes, bro, you pushed my friend. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. But he saw what happened. And he had my back. He's defending me. The guy stands up with the surfboard, and he swings the board at my friend. I'm like, oh, no, what's happening, you know? And my friend just catches it, Doo! takes it out of his hands. I'm like, what? <laughs> Throws it. And I'm like whoa, this is crazy, you know? And he's all, come on, bro, you touched my friend. You apologize to my friend. The guy's, oh, sorry, sorry, picks up his board and walks away. And you know, I don't condone violence. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying, it's nice to have friends that have your back, amen? <laughs> and I can walk down that beach going, yep, I'm not scared. I got this guy right here, right? God is saying in this psalm, I'm your bodyguard. I got your back. I don't care what people do to criticize you or to throw things at you. Or the enemy, he's real, he's out there, he's here to screw up your life and take you out of relationship with God. But God is saying, I got your back. I'm not afraid when God's walking by my side. See, you only have that if you're in relationship with that good shepherd. It comes back to Jesus Christ. He says, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. I think that's so cool is that no matter who's coming at you, God's going, I got you. A favor on you. I'm going to serve you this unreal meal right in front of all of your critics, right in front of those guys. And then this is powerful to me. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims, brims with blessing. What he's saying in there is you revive my drooping head is when I'm down and I'm frustrated and I'm stressed out and I'm like, God, this is heavy. This is hard. Is that when I focus on the things of God, my head is lifted up and I'm revived. I heard a preacher say the other day, you know, I was so blessed by this message that God gave me. I preached myself happy. He preached his own sermon. He preached it to himself. He preached himself happy. And I just thought, that's what it is that when God revives my head is I could be down and I get up here in front of you guys and I preach the message God put in my heart. I can preach myself happy. And I, I, I pull up my, my drooping head and I'm revived. And you know what else I found? I can pray myself happy. I can get into prayer when I'm like, God, this is hard. It's going to come to you right now and I want to give it all to you. And suddenly when I say, by the time I say amen, I've got a new perspective. I've got peace. I feel like I can conquer the world because I'm reminded God's by my side. He revives my soul. He lifts my drooping head. I feel good. I can preach myself happy. I can pray myself happy. You know the other one is? I can praise myself happy. I'm not praising myself, but when I come into here and worship sometimes and I'm tired because it's been a rough night before or whatever, I'm tired. I come into worship. I get into that praise where I'm glorifying God and my thoughts and my, everything is, is giving it to him. I found that I just praised myself happy. Is that in surrendering to God and giving him worship, he in turn blesses my life. And I could be walking around life with a drooping head. But when I seek the things of God, he revives me and I get a new perspective. Is that good? Psalm 23 is this amazing psalm that has all this in it. And it says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. What that tells me is if I stick with Jesus, I'm confident his grace, his goodness, his love and mercy for me in my life is always available. Always available. Some of you guys came into church this morning feeling guilty because you're sitting here going, oh, I'm talking about God and listening and I just did some bad stuff. And God's going, don't worry, I got you. You come to me, you repent, you put me first on your life. I forgive you. Remember that I already went to the cross for you? Remember it's already done, it's already covered? I knew you were gonna do what you did. But just keep coming back to me, and I got you. I'm always here for you. Every day of your life, for the rest of your life, on into eternity, God's got you. No one else in this world can make those kind of promises to me. My wife, my good friends, no one will always, always, always be there for me. Because we're human, we, we blow it, we, we let people down. But God is saying, no matter what, you can trust in me. I love you. I got you. Is that good? Is that inspiring? I mean, that's like, thank you, God. Thank you that someone loves me. No, but he really, really loves us. And I want to give you guys right now some practical steps. Can I give you guys some practical stuff? Because here's the deal. We know peace comes from God alone, Jesus Christ alone, real rest. We know what it looks like, Psalm 23, incredible. 
But now there's a partnership ongoing all of our days that says, we're in this thing together, God. What can I do to get myself into a place where I'm ready to receive? One of the biggest things I, I hear from people is last week even, hey, I, I like that, that real rest. I totally believe in that. That's so good. I just don't know how to get there. I love God and I've got him. I just don't know how to go from where I'm at right now to the place where I can receive the rest or the, the Selah or the Sabbath moment. So here's some practical stuff that I came up with that has worked in my life that's biblical, but is very practical that you can today, after service, start going, I should try this, I should try this, and help you get into that place where God meets you there and gives you his rest. Here's the first one, real plain and simple. You've heard it before, four letters, pray. Real simple, write it down. Some of you guys are like, I know that already, Carl. Well, then write this down, pray more, pray harder, <laughs> right? Because sometimes, as Jesus told us in scripture, you have not because you... Ask not. That means you're not praying enough. God says, I'll give you what you want if you ask for it. Some of us don't ask for it. Well-meaning Christians go, I pray for my friends and my family, the world, the folks on Hawaii Island. I pray all of this. God's going, do you know it's okay to pray for yourself? You're a walking ball of stress, and that's great. You're praying for everybody else. It's okay to pray for yourself. How I know this is the Bible tells me so. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Not just tell God what your family needs, tell God what world peace needs, all of that kind of stuff. God's saying, tell him what you need. It's personal. Remember, I love you too as much as I love all those other people. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, and here comes the part we're talking about, real rest. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He's saying, if we pray and we thank him and we ask him for what we need, and God's peace is gonna come. It's gonna be a peace that the world doesn't understand. It's a peace that I think of when I experience this peace that I think is so weird. It's just weird. Like, I'll be praying and stressing and I come to Jesus and I walk away with an amen and I walk away with like, I feel good. But I, I think about it and I go, that's weird. How did that just happen? Like there's nothing physical that I just did. I just met with my Lord and Savior and suddenly everything changes. The day that was so dreary before has become the brightest, most rejoicing, exciting day of my life. How did that happen? That's because Jesus said, you took the time to pray and you took the time to ask. My son last year was struggling with math one night, really hard, math homework. Then he's like stressing, almost crying. He's like, oh, it's so hard. I don't know how to do this. And blah, blah, blah. You know, just going on. I go, dude, ask somebody. Just ask for help. Call your teacher. Email your teacher. No, I can't do that. That's shame. Or, or call your friends in class. Who else? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, brother, you just need to ask somebody. Ask for help. There's people that can help you. He's like, oh, fine. Dad, just help me. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I go over there. The, math, you just... I don't know, man. Ask your mom. <laughs> I don't know. Ask somebody, right? But he, he asked mom because mom's smarter. I think actually his sister helped him or whatever. But the bottom line I'm trying to say is you're freaking out and he never even asked for help. God's telling to a lot of us here today because we're thinking, I pray. I totally pray. I totally pray. How come you're still stressed? If you're really praying and really asking for help, God's there. I got you. I'll help you out. You just got to ask more, pray more. Here's another thing I learned is in finding true rest, you got to schedule it. Write that one down. You got to schedule it. You got to schedule your Sabbath day off, your daily time with the Lord. You got to plan for it and look forward to it. I found out this in dating my wife is if I don't plan out my date nights, a random accidental date night is not as good as a planned out date night. It's cool. It's a bonus. It happens, but it doesn't happen enough. The other night we got a free time. Kids were being taken care of. We were like, oh, we could do day night tonight. We don't have any. This is cool. But it was last minute. We didn't really have time to get all dressed up or anything. It was just kind of like rushed. We only got a couple hour window. We got to make this thing happen. We went out to one of our favorite restaurants. The sign on the window when we showed up was like, we're closed for three months. Who closes for three months? I was like, what? <laughs> Come on. So we sat in my truck for like 15 minutes trying to think. We listed every restaurant we could think of in Kailua that's close. You know, we had to be back home. And why each one was terrible and we didn't want to go there. Finally go to one we think is going to work out. And sure enough, it let us down. It was like the food wasn't good. There's, ah, oh, bummers. We get home. I'm like, well, thanks for the date night, hon. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like it was good, but it could have been better. Right? If we would have planned it, made reservations, find out if the restaurant exists, you know, if it's still open. 
the nights when I plan it, it's awesome because the day or two before, you're actually looking forward to it. You know, you're, you're, you're building up to it. And when you actually schedule time in to rest and be with the Lord and to, to stop and to, to rest your soul, it's kind of like you're going, oh, yeah, I, I know that I get to recharge at that time tomorrow or today. And you look forward to it. And you're purposeful because when you go there and you show up, you're expecting, you're ready, you know what you're going to say, you're ready to receive, but you plan it. If you don't plan it, it'll never happen because we're too busy, we're too busy, too busy. You guys getting that, right? We just, we get too busy. Schedule it. Here's another thing that's this application, practical stuff. Real big one. Read the word. You want peace? Read the word. Go to the source. That's all, that's all I got to say. You can read devotionals. I know we do that uh, daily bread a lot. That's kind of helpful. We have a picture of that. The daily bread is like a little mini devotional. Or you can go to their website. There's a lot of good devotionals out there. But there's books about the, the word of God and all that. Here's what I want to say. It's good to read Christian literature, Christian books about God and all that stuff. But if it's not pointing you back to the word of God and to you personally having an encounter with the word of God, then you probably don't need to read it. There's a lot of stuff written about God. But if it's not getting you to go and read the word of God, the source, his love letter full of promises to us, then maybe you're just reading the extra stuff and you're missing the whole point. The word of God is there to give us truth and promises. When we're stressed out, we're down on ourselves, we don't believe in ourselves, here comes God's word to come and say, oh, you feeling unworthy, Carl? Well, guess what? My word says you're worthy. My word says you're worthy enough to die for and that your life, yeah, it's messed up, but guess what? I don't make junk, so I created you on purpose for, to serve a purpose, a good purpose. I've got a plan and a hope for your future and your life, and I got you covered. And when you fill up on the word of God, you read promises like Jesus makes in John 16, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome the world. That's good stuff. You get into the word of God. It's very practical. It revives you. The best cure for darkness is light. The best cure for lies of the enemy is truth. Go to the word of God. Is that good? Read your Bible more, plain and simple. Um, Here's another one, worship music. Because what you're getting in worship music is scripture, is verses, is thoughts and ideas that come from the Bible, that come from the word of God, and you're getting it into you. You know how you get those songs stuck in your head all the time? You know, it's good when they're Christian songs about Jesus that are getting stuck in your head and getting memorized that you sing throughout the day. It gives you a peace like no other. So plug in, you go to sleep at night, put the iPod in, and just worship yourself to sleep. It gives you an incredible night's rest. I promise you, worship music is good. Here's another one, simple. Learn to breathe. Just breathe. Just stop once in a while. I was talking to Pastor Josh, our youth pastor, and he said one of the things he and his wife do when they're stressing and they're texting each other, oh, kids are going crazy today, or I had a rough day at work or whatever, the question they always ask each other is, are you breathing? And it's a reminder, more than just breathing, to stop and to say la and to spend time with the Lord. And here's what you do when you're breathing, not just breathing, but you're breathing out all the rubbish of the day, the stress, the trials, and just... Oh, God, take away all of this stuff, all these people talking to me, all of this stuff like that, all of these people just staring me in the face when I'm trying to preach, and I don't know where they're coming from. But I'm just kidding. You just breathe out all of that kind of stuff, and then you breathe in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just come. Just fill me to overflowing. Just use me today, Father God. Fill me with joy. Fill me with peace. You learn to stop and breathe. Sounds silly. Sounds like, oh, that's is that kind of New Age breathing? No. Breathing intentionally just slowing down and breathing, breathing out all the stuff and breathing in the Holy Spirit. Is that good? You know, there's actually apps for that on your phone. I found a couple apps that just tell you 7.1 seconds to exhale. (sighs) Inhale, seven and a half. (sighs) Seven and a half is too long, God. You know, you got to reset your settings or whatever, but learn to breathe. Something else practical, silence and solitude. One of the most radical disciplines in the, the, the relationship with God is practicing silence and solitude. That's learning to actually get away solitude, be alone, get away somehow, some way, fight for it, and to have complete silence where you're not even talking. You're just there to listen and enjoy. How many times in scripture, you think about it, Jesus, the son of God, did this very thing. Well, he couldn't have done that. He came to earth to love people and to do miracles for them and to, to reach all the people and to hang out with them all the time. Really? Try to read some of those verses where Jesus, it says, escape the crowds to be alone with the Father. You guys remember that? He said, I can't do anything except what the Father tells me to. So don't you think it would be important for him to make time to listen to what the Father tells him to do? 
We need to practice this silence and solitude. I don't know how you set it up in your life, in your office, in your home, but there's times you need to get away from everybody. Phone off, computer off, TV off, silence, just you and the Lord, just listening, not telling him your list of to-dos, just receiving and enjoying his presence, something we need to put into our lives. Here's another one, very important, sounds funny, but vent and release to someone you trust. If you've got stress going on in your life, you need to get it out of you. Here's the qualifier. It better be someone you trust. It better be someone that's a godly person that's listening. It probably talks about this all over in Proverbs. Is the king needs the godly advisors, and we need to speak wisdom into one another's lives and encourage one another and all that. Part of it is you need to confess stuff to people, and you need to vent to people. You need to be able to just vomit out all of those emotions and feelings that are keeping you bound up and isolated because if you keep them to yourself, the enemy is going to play all kind of tricks with your brain and just ruin you. But you need to get that stuff out somewhere. So in prayer, we give it to God, but he's also given us one another relationships. I've got people in my life, my wife, number one. I'm going through hard stuff. There's times I just vent to her. But do you realize that there's times when I have to vent to someone else about her? <laughs> And I'm not talking in a sinful way. I'm saying, I need to say, oh, my wife and I are struggling, da, da, da. And I go to someone. But again, here's a qualifier. Someone I trust, godly counsel, that is not going to gossip about me and my wife, that is not going to side with me over my wife, but is going to say, what God put together, let no man separate. Carl, here's how you need to work on it. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you. They're going to take all the vomit I spew out, and they're going to love on me, pray for me, and guide me back into God's best for my life. Are you guys hearing me? It's okay to have those kind of people if you know you can trust them. We all need to be those people to someone else because we got to vent. And along with venting is journaling. Learn to journal. Some of you guys have never journaled before. Write down your thoughts and your feelings and your prayers and your hurts and your hopes and your dreams. Write it down. Give it to God. There's something to be said for writing it down. When you get it out of you and you write it down and you see what you write, it changes your perspective. It teaches you how to pray. It allows you to release what you've written down and go, God, I don't want to be that person. Can I just give that to you? There's something to be said for, I don't write. I don't like to write. I'm a slow writer. I only print. I, I literally have forgotten how to write in cursive or handwriting. I've totally forgotten. I barely can sign my name. I just, I think, I don't know when I stopped, like fifth grade, I stopped cursive and I don't have to anymore. So I print everything, but it takes forever, right? And now I just type it. So in my iPhone, I have a couple files on there that I will never let any of you read ever. Sorry, too bad, right? That's hidden stuff. You know why? Because I'm journaling personal stuff and I'm venting. When I'm frustrated and I'm freaked out and I'm angry and all of that because I'm human, I vent it all out. And I'm, can I be dead honest with you guys? There's a lot of swearing in those things. I'm just saying. I'm a pastor, but I'm real. And God's going, Carl, you can't hide it from me anyway. I know your heart. I know your thoughts. So you venting is doing nothing more than freeing it and releasing it and allowing you to look at that so that you can give it to me. There's something that I've learned to do to change the perspective and, and where I'm at, what I can do to partner to find God's peace is I write it all down. And I hope you guys don't leave the church because your pastor swears and now you have no faith in me anymore. You're, that guy is such a sinner. Yep, we all are. Sorry about that. But I, I write that stuff down and I'm God, what the is going on around here? You know, and like, why are these people such da, 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 you know, and I just, I'm real. I'm sorry, but I would rather be a kind of person and Christian that is real and honest and know that I'm flawed and I am just a sinner and that I need this savior than a fake pastor or Christian that walks around, hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah, my life is perfect, it's awesome, and you can have that too. That's BS, we're real, we're Christians, right? By BS, I mean bogus statement, just so you... <laughs> it's clarifying. Not everything is swearing, right? Um, Anyways, that's one thing that I found is just journal. Get that stuff out. Is this helpful for you guys? This is like just normal stuff we got to deal with, right? Okay, here's, here's another one. Um, and this is a big one. Sleep, exercise, diet, and sunshine. Sleep, exercise, diet, and sunshine. What I found is you get your body healthy. It's a, it's a whole lot easier to get your soul healthy. If your body is healthy and you're learning how to take care of it and how to, how to be happy, there's your, your depression and anxiety a lot of times can come from lack of sleep, lack of exercise, lack of diet, lack of sunshine. Vitamin D actually lifts your mood. And so I'm learning, what's the stuff I can do, God, to partner with you? You promised me peace, but I got to take care of what you've given me here. You've given me a mind. You give me wisdom. You give me a body. I better take care of it. Remember, guys, this is a temple for the Holy Spirit. 
And he's going to have a hard time hanging out in there if the place is falling apart, right? We got to take care of who we are. So I'm just saying your, your sleep, exercise, diet, and sh- sunshine have a lot to do with finding peace. Here's another thing. Guard your mind. Write that down. Guard your mind. Be careful of what you put into your mind. Facebook, TV, movies, books, magazines, all that kind of stuff. Guard your mind. Colossians 3, 2. The word says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. In my life, I don't necessarily watch the news, hardly ever. I get the main news I need to from things online or or from Time Magazine or something, things that I can choose to read or not read, but I don't like, this is me, this is what God's doing in my life. I don't like to sit and subject myself to everything that the media and the, the depressing news and the negativity of the world is throwing at me. Now, I know there's things I need to be informed about and need to know about because I need to be proactive about. I need to pray about certain things. I need to vote against certain things. But I found that there's a whole lot of heartache and hurt and stuff that's just messing in my mind that I can do zero about, that I have no power to do anything about. And if I just keep letting all that stuff overwhelm my mind, it sends me into like places where I'm just bummed and, and depressed and stressed over things that I can't do anything about. Does that make sense? So for me, the news, I get it where I choose. I don't want to just sit there and be subjected to everything that they're throwing out, out at me. That's just me. But, but guard your mind, whatever that may mean to you. There's a balance in there somewhere. And I'm not trying to go keep away from all news. We have, we have a job to do, to be responsible in society. But just be careful. Yeah, Don't take too much into your, into your mind. Pre- protect it. Here's another thing important about getting rest. Find your spot. Find your spot. Find a spot that is your rest spot, your peace spot, your place where you meet with the Lord. Maybe for me, I go in the shower. Everything, everybody's out there. I, I meet with God. Maybe you have a personal chair in your house, and you're like, that's my prayer chair. And I know that that's the one I go to, and I can expect to meet with God because you go there all the time. Maybe you go to a certain beach or a park or somewhere, and you know that when you go there, you're expecting, that's where I have my, my date nights with God. Or that's where I spend time in Selah moment, in Sabbath moment. That's where I meet with him and I find real peace. Find that place. Find a place like that that you know is your place. Just like scheduling time, setting the place is the same thing. I found that that blesses me a lot. We have a back room in the church offices there that is not really being used. And I told all the staff, that can be your prayer place. Whenever you need throughout any other day, go to that office, close the door. That's you and God time in there. Take advantage of that because I want my staff healthy. I want them to be able to break away and have a place they can go to. So find a spot. Here's another thing. Try new things. Try new things that will rewire your, your life into finding rest and peace. I told you I go diving and, and shelling and do weird things like that. One of the things I've, I've discovered when I was just in a chaos mode and I was trying to find rest is I tried new hobbies. I started taking those pallets that you find at the supermarkets and everything and whatever. And I started making furniture out of them. Not really good furniture because just me, right? I'm like, let me try this, right? But I started making things. Can we show the picture? I made my kids like a little desk, you know, like a, a little computer desk, just with pallets. Um, show the next one. I made some furniture um, for my wife. It's like a little entry. I don't even know what it is, but she uses it, and it's cool. It's a table desk thing. Um, I went nuts. Look at my whole living room. <laughs> Coffee table, TV stand, media center, the whole deal. I made my kids desks. I just went nuts. And you know why I did that? It's because I was trying to change my perspective and what I do, my actions I take in this world so they could find a new way to connect with God. There's been hours of time in my garage and in my driveway when I'm working on this stuff and I'm having the greatest conversations with God while I'm doing this stuff. I'm finding a new avenue to connect with God by busying myself, by going to a a, a personal, solo, quiet place. Not even that quiet because I'm like power sanders and you know, but in the midst of it, me and God are having mean conversations, good stuff, and I'm just letting stuff out. I find different things. Maybe one of the things for me that you could try is try driving with no music on at all. Just drive around a different thing. I don't need to listen to anything except God and the Holy Spirit. That's something that I found, but try a different approach. I go body surfing, like I told you. Surfing, 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 right? My, my wife always reminds me, I, I, don't, I didn't marry a pastor who surfs. I married a surfer who pastors. And she goes, that's who you always are, and you got to make sure you find time for that because that's your quiet place. And I'm like, that's why I married you, babe. I love you. Thank- surfing is a priority. Thank you. But I found that I don't have to do the stuff that I've always done, shortboarding. I'm living longboarding and stand up paddling and I'm body surfing. Before I thought body surfing was the dumbest thing. If you're not on a board, you're going too slow. What are you doing in the water? Get up and ride something, right? 
But now I body surf. I throw on fins and I go body surf at Makapu and I feel like, ah, oh, even more of a connection with God. All I'm saying is try a new hobby. Try something d- different to give you a perspective of peace that God is saying you can only get there by, by taking advantage of what I have, but you need to rewire yourself a little bit to find a way to get it. Does that make sense? Okay, so, and here's um, the very last thing is, if you're, you're in a place in life where you don't have peace, and it's bad, and it's real bad, and it could actually be depression, it could actually be anxiety, it could actually be some, some psychological or some mental issues, let me tell you this, there's absolutely no shame in getting professional help. Because I don't want to be the kind of pastor that just kind of like on the service, hey, just pray more, love Jesus, you'll be fine. Snap out of it, grumpy, what's your problem? See, there's a lot of PTSD, there's depression, there's anxiety. These are real medical conditions. And see, the first thing I do when there's a problem is I take it to God and I'll pray. And if God doesn't do something supernaturally, I go and I get help. And I take advantage of the help that he's given me, doctors, medication, therapy, counseling. Are you guys hearing me on this one? Because too many times we as Christians, we, we diagnose people wrongly. Hey, why are you so unhappy? Hey, just come on, see God, read your Bible. Well, I believe in a both and type of a deal that God has given us supernatural power, but he's also given us doctors and medicine, and we need to get fixed however we can. My truck breaks down, I pray for it. Jesus' name, heal my fan belt. <laughs> if it doesn't heal on its own, I take it to a mechanic. Are you guys hearing me? You break your arm, I pray, God, healing right now in Jesus' name. Didn't happen. I got to go to emergency, right? Because, God, you gave me doctors. Does that, does that make sense? I, too many times we put this stigma on people that are broken emotionally or mentally, and they're literally broken, and they need help, and we don't need to just give them the pat answer, Romans eight twenty eight. God uses everything for the good of those that love him. Yeah, that's great, but you need some help here. And so I want to just recommend, if you need the help, get professional help that you need. There's no shame in that at all. God wants you healed in whatever way he can get you healed. Amen? Okay, well, that's it. I got the practical stuff. The rain is like my signal. You're done, Carl. You're out. Holy, it's coming down, isn't it? Can I just say this? The quicker we are as God's kids at finding what real rest is all about and learning practical ways to get there and to receive all that he has... We're going to walk around to happier people. There's going to be less arguments. There's going to be less traffic accidents because people aren't driving all freaked out and stressed. A lot of us are going to walk around less grumpy. We're going to be more tan, right? We'll go to the beach more. We need vitamin D. We're going to be giving Starbucks less of our business because we don't need to wake up in the morning. We're going to be well-rested because we're sleeping at night because God has given us peaceful sleep. Is that good? So I want us to be a people. We, we, we put this into practice. Next week, I'm going to see all your happy faces without coffee, and you're just going to be blessed and loving one another. But true health comes from true rest, and that's only found in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us rest. Thank you for commanding rest. Thank you for Sabbath and for Selah. Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of these things that you've given us in life and the commandments for us to slow down and pace ourselves. Lord, help us as a people to readjust our lives in whatever way we need to so that we can find that rest, so we can find those Selah moments, a lifetime full of it, a lifestyle full of it. And Lord, I want to pray right now, Lord, as some of us are seeking that, Lord, some of us have never even entered into a relationship where we would know the one that can give us rest in the first place. We're trying hard on our own. It's not working, Lord. We need your help. And Jesus, you said in your word that you can help us, that only you can give us true, real rest. Lord, we need that. So some of us in the room today, maybe I'm talking about you, is you've never really connected with this God that saves you and loves you and can give you real rest. But you're at a place this morning where you're, you're, you're going, I get it. I need that. I want that. I realize what it takes. It takes me surrendering my life and following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I really need to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Can't get that through religion. Can't get that through health, self-help, only through a relationship with Jesus. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now if that's you. If you came to church this morning looking for something, looking for rest, looking for help, looking for something bigger than you, I'll tell you what, it's here right now. It's Jesus. He's stoked that you're here. He wants to bless you. He wants to connect with you. But you got to say yes. He won't force himself on you. So I want to say a prayer that would lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ for now, in this lifetime, and through eternity. It would be a prayer where you admit that you've done wrong, that you're a sinner. We all are. We fall short of the glory of God. We can't have connection with God. But because of Jesus coming to this earth and dying on that cross, he took a hit so we don't have to. He went to the cross. He paid the price 
for our sins so we don't have to have eternal separation from this God that loves us. And when we acknowledge that he died on the cross for us, but then rose again on the third day to prove that he's the son of God, to prove his power over life and death and sin and shame and guilt and baggage and issues and all of that, when he did that, that he allowed us the chance to freely receive the payment and to know that he is God, to know that we have forgiveness and we have freedom from sin as well, that we can live a different life when we put our trust and our hope in him. And if that's a prayer that you'd like to pray today that you've maybe never prayed before, a decision to make, I'd love to lead you in that prayer. I want to know one thing. People seated around you have their eyes closed and heads bowed. I'm going to ask you to pray with me in a minute here. I pray the words out loud for you, and you just pray them silently in your heart. God hears you. After service, you can go and tell somebody. But right now, it's kind of a hard issue. You'd agree with the words that I'm going to pray. Make them your own to God, and he hears you. But before we do that, I would love for you to let me know that you want to pray with me here today. The other people aren't looking around or seeing you. But I'm going to count to three. Real simple. On the count of three, that you would raise your hand just to let me know, hey, Pastor Carl, I'm in. I want what you're talking about. I want Jesus. If that's what you want, on the count of three, you'd raise your hand, and then we would pray together. So here we go. One, two, three. Would you lift your hand if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ? I see one. I see two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else as I look around in here? Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Ten, someone in the back there. Praise God. If I didn't see you, don't worry about it. God sees you. He honors your decision right now. You pray the prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. You pray it in your heart of hearts right now with all you got. Here we go. God, this morning I'm here and I'm looking for answers. I need some help. I want some rest. Lord, I believe in the message that was preached and what was shared here this morning that only you offer rest, only you offer eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Jesus, I realize what you did on the cross and out of the grave, the greatest thing that was ever done on planet earth is that you died to put me back in relationship with God the Father and his love so I could be made right with you. And Lord, as I say yes to you and receive all that you have for me, Lord, from here on out, I'm going to live it. And Lord, as I do, I'm going to receive all the blessing and the love and the favor and the, the rest that comes from you alone. Lord, because of this, when I die here on earth physically, I'm not going to die forever, but I'm going to go to heaven to be with you face to face and the rest of the family of God. So Lord, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I believe it and I receive it from this moment on. I'll live it out. It's not a one-time prayer. That's not going to get me anywhere. It's a changed life, surrendered, living for the things of God. So Lord, help me to follow after your ways, to get a Bible and to start reading it, to know more about you. Lord, to stay involved in church. Lord, that preaches your word where I can grow and I can learn. I can have fellowship with the other family members. Lord, I pray that I would, I would have a time real soon to get water baptized, to prove what I'm doing here in my heart, to do it physically, to prove that I'm dying to my old self and I'm being born again, a new creation. Lord, fill me with all the power of your Holy Spirit that's available to me because I need help. And God, I believe you're bigger and better than me. I need all that you have. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for what this means in my life as I walk this thing out. Thank you for being my God and for teaching me to have rest in you. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God with those nine people this morning, 10 people joining our family? Unreal. Good stuff.